Welcome to the New Stories Podcast, Season 2. Well, I'm really excited to resume my podcasting and particularly excited to resume it with our guest today. I am Dr. Rodney Glasgow, head of school at Sandy Spring Friends School, and truly delighted to welcome Michelle Ruiz, one of our alums, a recent alum and a really powerful alum who's gonna speak to us today about the ways in which she continues to let her life speak out in the world and out in her communities. Michelle, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us your name. I've already sort of said your relationship to Sandy Spring Friends, but anything you want to say about that and anything else you want to tell us as we enter this conversation with you? Thank you. So hi, everyone. My name is Michelle Luis Fuentes. I'm a Salorena from Washington, D.C. I joined Sandy Spring in 2016 as a residential student. So I was part of the boarding program. And I'm an alumna from the class of 2020. So Michelle, I think one of the most powerful compliments someone can pay is to say, I knew you before you knew me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like in so many ways, our paths crossed a couple different times and ways, but you're someone whom I feel like I knew you before you knew me. And, And the impact you had on this community is so profound. So before we even dig into your passion project. I'd love to hear just how you came to Sandy Spring Friends School and what your journey at our school was like. Thank you. Yes. So I applied to Sandy Spring Friends School when I was looking for schools. I was looking at DC public schools and I was looking at a couple of private schools. But when I visited Sandy Spring, it stood out to me because as soon as I stepped on campus, I felt safe and I felt like I was a part of the community. Whereas and other campuses, I feel like it was harder to establish that feeling. And I know that something that really stood out for me was that when I reached campus, I know that there were language barriers with my parents. And as soon as I was on campus, my tour guide immediately showed me to the Spanish department so that my mom could have someone that she, she, she could speak to. And for me, that was like, wow, I can feel safe and my mom can feel safe in this space. And then everything from there just felt like it was lining up correctly. I met really nice people. I loved how the campus was very green, very outgoing and very welcoming. And yeah, I think that Sandy Spring, what really clicked for me was the community. And as you can see now, I think that was the right decision I made because I entered as a very like timid student and very like, okay, just school. I'm going to keep to myself. And I feel like I transformed throughout my years there because of the community that I had that really empowered me to reach where I am today. You said the word so many alums say to me whenever we are together, which is some version of transformed, transformative, transformation, that somehow being a part of this community, they walked away a difference and and in so many ways, a better person because of having connected with us. And you also spoke to the spirit of this word we've been deeply exploring from last year forward, which is a sense of belonging. And, and when I heard you speak about, I felt not just me, but my whole family could be themselves at Sandy Spring Friends School. I mean, what a definition of belonging. And, and so I'm thinking you as someone who is so mindful of what it means to create community and safe space, how that then fueled this passion project that you and Frank Sheffield, another one of our guiding lights from the class of 2020, then conducted together. How did you arrive at this passion that then became this passion project? Yes, thank you. So 
Sandy Spring, I think, really taught me what it means to be an advocate for myself and my community. And that's what stuck for me. And the way that I explored that at Sandy Spring was through diversity and equity and what it meant to be a person of color on campus and what it meant to be low income on campus and things like that. And really, it showed me that when I enter those spaces, I'm not entering just for myself, but I'm entering with like ancestors behind me, my family behind my community. I feel like having that mindset really puts you in a good place to speak and represent yourself because you know it's not just about yourself like there's long-term impact with that so I did a fellowship centered around gun violence prevention in DC and it was youth-led and those leaders told me hey Michelle like you seem very passionate about this and there's a fellowship that we applied to that really helped us create this fellowship and start our program the youth over guns And they shared that call for kindness call with me, that application. And then from there, I spoke with my friends, which was a group chat of Sandy Spring 2020 alum. And I said, hey, does anyone want to join? And we'll just create a proposal. And then in that moment, we thought, okay, COVID-19 has really exacerbated and expanded inequalities that were already there. So it just felt right to build off of that. And then that's why we created Candid Community Care, because we thought about how At the moment, there are already so many people living in survival mode where they can barely afford hygienic products, meals, pay bills. And how could we assist people in that now? That's what I was our proposal. And it's exciting to share that our proposal is accepted. And now we're about to leave this event in August. Right. Because spoiler alert, you all won and were the only two in Maryland to win out of only 22 people nationally. Right. We won National Call for Kindness competition. Pretty cool. So tell us a little more about the National Call for Kindness, how you heard about it, and what winning that competition is going to do to further your vision and how you all are speaking through this project. Yes, thank you. So Call for Kindness is a fellowship and partnership with the Riley's Way Foundation. And what they do is they offer grants and leadership and mentorship for teens who have a proposal that focuses on equity and wants to tackle a social justice issue in their school or community. There's four pillars to the program and four things that they really look for in a project. And that's for a project that looks at empathy, leadership, community making, and kindness. So with those four pillars, we thought, okay, this has to be, we have to look at social justice and and Frank and I are both in DC. So we looked at DC and where we could begin. And with connection making, we thought, okay, what's in our neighborhoods? What's wrong in our neighborhoods? Where does attention need to be served? And with that, we had a couple of brainstorming sessions. Like we talked about mental health accessibility due to like gun violence prevention. We talked about access to healthcare. And we found that there was this common thing where we just looked at, okay, it looks like there is an issue with wellness. A lot of people, they aren't healthy, don't have the wellness that they need. So the broad like aspect of our project is to look at healthcare equity and the way that we're approaching it right now is we're creating hygienic kits with bars of soap and toothbrushes and toothpaste and we're serving them to family members in DC who have been affected by COVID-19 and we're looking in specific neighborhoods that have historically been underserved and trying to help those families that have been already on like that survival mode have to have some relief and our hope is to not have a temporary impact but to create a connection with these communities where they feel seen and heard and they realize that we're not here just for august we're going to be here year round we're going to find a way to get grants or mutual aid you can count on us and that's i think what's making this project the most powerful is that we realize this isn't where it ends this is the beginning of what we want to do 
as you're you're talking, my brain is kind of firing with the spices, and I'm hearing like community, equality, stewardship, service, integrity, all through and through what you all were doing. It's it's just so wonderful. And I looked up Mary's Center to kind of get a flavor for who they are and what they do in the DC area and how they're inspiring really the world through their work. And, and they used this notion of a social change model of health. And they're so serious about it, like capital S, capital C, capital M, social change model of health. So I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about, you just started to get in, into it, what a social change model of health is and how that is different than simplified healthcare. Yeah, so I can speak a little more to Mary Center and why we chose Mary Center out of all of like the locations in DC. So Mary Center, so my family and I are patients there. And we've realized that when we go into that space, there are always people that look like us. And when we have the services, it doesn't feel like we're just going in for that doctor visitation in and out. Like there's a community there and there's a sense of belonging, like you mentioned, and just unity that my mother can realize. She if she wants to learn a certain skill set or she needs help navigating our process because a lot of their recipients are Latino families, back families or immigrants that they can go to that office. And it's not just go see your doctor. It's any help that you do need to navigate the system, you will receive it. And they were based off of a program that didn't discriminate. And they've continued that now with their programs. They have teen fellowships, teen internships where I don't know how many doctor's offices have that, but I remember going in for my check-ins. It wasn't just are you healthy? Are you eating? It was more like, how are you at home? How was your school? Are you curious about this? We have this program. So it was just like, it was so well-rounded that we felt anything was possible there because we knew that they weren't just looking at us to get money. Like it wasn't just about profit. It was about how can I help you as a whole and how can we be there for you in the future? I love that. And I'm thinking about the name of your passion project, Candid Community Care especially now, <laughs> it's of so much talk about healthcare and communities and can we be candid with each other about what we need and how we need to take care of each other at this time. Tell us how you landed on the name Candid Community Care. Also how this is so much different than just a regular hygiene drive, right? This isn't just about collecting shampoos and soaps that people do in schools all over the place. Y'all are doing something really different and deeper with this. So tell us a little more about the impact you're hoping to make. We started out with Candid Care because our main goal was to make sure that when we do lead these events, that people understand that we're standing in their shoes with them and we're doing this to make them feel seen, heard, and listened to. And it didn't want to come from a place like we're helping you and that type of sense. By establishing that community care, candid care was Frank and I are both from DC. We understand what it means to be in a position and we're here to make sure that other people understand. So with that, our project is also about building awareness. That's one of our main goals to make sure when they think about healthcare, they don't just think about doctor visitations and hospital, like that they think about mental health. They think about day to day, like how are you maintaining wellness? For some people, they don't have that every day. Candid community care just felt like we needed to have that community aspect in it. So it was candid care, but then we added community because that's how we orient ourselves. That's our main focus. This is all about communities and uplifting them. When we have those in-kind drives, they're going to be led by DC youth and patients from Mary Sensor or just patients or people who live in that area. So this also isn't just, okay, we're pulling people from other places. It's led by the community for the community and 
that's a whole focus. Can the community care felt fitting for that? I love that. And I'm thinking about what were the skills you learned at Sandy Spring Friends School or the experiences you had that, that led you to be able to excel at this project? Oh, I can <laughs> go on and on about this. Sandy Spring really just, it doesn't even have to be like a specific leadership position. Just as you navigate throughout Sandy Spring, you learn so much and especially about like letting your voice speak and advocacy. That has been so instrumental for my identity and growth because it's allowed me to feel comfortable and feel sure of myself when I articulate my thoughts and I realize, okay, I'm coming into this position as yes, for who I am, but I have a mission here. And despite whatever's happening around me, if there are kickbacks or anything, like I know that I'm here for a reason and there are people behind me for that. If I, I don't know if I would have reached this proposal stage if it hadn't been for Sandy Spring, because at Sandy Spring, I learned how to communicate with people. I learned how to appreciate connections and not just make connections just for networking, but also make sustainable relationships. Like I'm connecting with Mary Center because there is power in that friendship. There isn't just, okay, you're hosting us this year and then we're leaving. Sustainable relationships. I also learned how to really organize myself because this proposal, just thinking about like when we applied, we had to submit a budget sheet. We had to show what our long-term goals are. Just organizing ourselves in that way. And at Sandy Spring, we participated in service projects that prepared us for that. But I, we hadn't written that proposal before, but I had the skills to write it. So it feels like everything led up to that point. So when we applied, it was just like, oh, it's, let's just get back to how we were at Sandy Spring. And I'm thinking about in the in the backdrop of y'all doing this, there's COVID. And, and we're deep enough in COVID now to say the early days of COVID, right? March yeah. 20. And the school went virtual. You all graduated virtually. You and Frank were both graduation speakers virtually. And so just thinking back to that time, as we look at the history of the school and we go on our 60th anniversary, what can you share with us of what it was like to be a student in the midst of that and to be doing this project in the midst of that? Yes. So in the beginning, as we were seniors transitioning to virtual learning, I think everyone felt that shock of now having to find a new routine in the day and something that I found really powerful was to just try to build discipline and also have a growth mindset with that process because during that time it was hard to think about how am I going to adjust to doing this at home how are we going to not have these memories that seniors would have but then with just looking at every, all of these changes as like an opportunity to grow and realize okay yes, this has changed for now, but that doesn't mean that it has to end this way. Like for example, graduation did happen virtually, but we had an in-person like drive to campus. And that was really, I know for a lot of people touching it very powerful. And just, for example, leading SGA and realizing that, okay, emails, people have a lot of emails every day. Will they really check it? And we had just creating an Instagram account. It was just, okay, yes, we met this battle, but how can we overcome that? And that was, really grounding because it reassured me that it's hard right now, but there's always hope in what we can do. And if we just angle things a little differently, we can still have that impact. I think that's what just spurred that motivation because during that time, there was so much happening. We were looking at how do we even begin this application? Where do we begin? But just establishing that we are passionate and we will carve out the time for that just made it work in the end. Such a powerful snapshot of what was going on at that time, you know, I, I, was that a year and a half ago? Frank, welcome. So glad you're here. Good to see your face as always. 
Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. We'll have you go ahead and jump in. And as I was saying to Michelle, she is, and you are someone whom I feel like I knew you before you knew me. And that's one of the best compliments <laughs> to pay to someone. Y'all are such dynamic alums of ours. Tell us a little bit of who you are, how you came to Sandy Spring Friends, anything you want to say as we enter this conversation. Absolutely. My name is Frank Sheffield. I'm a recent alum of Sandy Spring Friends School. I came to Sandy Spring as a sophomore. I transferred in from Wilson High School. So I'm originally from the Washington, D.C. area. I was, had the opportunity of serving on the um, varsity basketball team all three years at Sandy Spring. And I also served as the leader of the Black Student Union during my senior year. So a little bit of experience there at Sandy Springs definitely helped me grow uh, as a person overall too. So I have to ask, what led you to jump from Wilson over to the Sandy Spring Friends? I would say one, rigor and classroom material. My parents definitely wanted me to be basically prepared in the classroom for, you know, the, the workload and, and things that would come along with college and not really to be surprised by that when I got there. And then secondly, I would say, you know, just like as a switch up of the like education system, I had been in, within the public school system my whole life through elementary school. And I think they were just looking for a change, honestly. Makes sense. And, and it looks like, at least from my standpoint, it worked out well for us. I had <laughs> yes, yes, obviously. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful for the St. Spring community. They've done so much for me. I mean, just alone preparing me for college. I'm so grateful for everything that Sandy Spring has been able to provide me, even the guidance and everything, all the friends and the people I've met from there too. So it's been, it's been nothing but a pleasurable experience. Awesome. Well, and congrats on winning that 2021 National Call for Kindness. Again, I got to say it again, one of two students in Maryland, Michelle's the other of two <laughs> who won that and only 22 nationally. Like it's, it's really a big deal. And Michelle was telling us her connection to Mary Sensor and the project. And we'd love to hear your connection to Mary Sensor and the project and how y'all ended up joining together to, to do this. My sense is that y'all are good friends, but I want to also want to say how y'all end up in this project together. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I actually joined the project with Michelle around the beginning of last summer, about a year ago now. Michelle actually found out about it first and, and asked me to come on board. She, I mean, we knew each other's similar interests. So basically, I had always been interested in kind of the medical field. And I'm still interested in the medical field, future doctor. But making headway there, I had always been uh, interested in, I actually did an internship at Georgetown University while I was at Sandy Spring. And uh, that got me interested in neuroscience and stuff like that. And uh, during one of them, I actually got the opportunity to diagnose a patient in Nigeria. But that's a, that's a whole uh, separate story. But <laughs> before we get into that, along those lines, I was, I was always looking for you know, opportunities where I could truly you know, learn more about the healthcare field and kind of directly get involved too. I volunteered, obviously, throughout uh, my high school experience. And one of my most impactful ones was at Martha's Table. And so at Martha's Table, I, I usually spent my Thanksgiving there after my first year uh, volunteering, making food, and then actually being able to hand it out and see the, the joy that you would cause people's face on just handing them, handing them a meal, not them not having to guess where that next meal would come from. And so that was, I mean, that obviously had an impact on me since high school. And so once I saw this opportunity, I knew it was something I needed to be a part of, and I was happy to come along and, and share my passion. 
Well, so great that y'all partnered and, and we've been talking about the fruits of the labor, but I wonder what were the hardest parts of it? What were the heaviest lifts? What would y'all say was, wow, this was probably the most challenging part of making this all happen? I definitely think it was finding our angle and making sure that when we create our proposal, it has to be focused because we're telling these people who don't know us why they should trust us and what impact we will have. So when we looked at healthcare equity, I mentioned we had like, we thought about mental health, we thought about patient advocacy. Frank and I talked about how it didn't feel right for us, how a lot of undocumented immigrants fear going to hospitals and doctor visitations because they fear deportation or they fear being discriminated or just not being able to pay the fees and just things like that that are about your health and your wellness. And that was one of our like big goals. But then we realized that we have to, like, how are we going to get in the hospitals? Where do we begin there? So we took a step back and we thought, okay, what can we do in our community? And what has um, proved to be an effective way to help? We also both had the experience of working with the Shoe Drive Collection with Eduardo, which is a similar concept. And Frank, if you want to share about that. Absolutely. The Shoe Drive collection that Eduardo always runs like annually throughout our years at Sandy Spring, we'd always noticed, you know, of that, the, the impact that bringing community together could have. And so absolutely when bringing people like of Sandy Spring with one drive, one mission and stuff like that, I mean, the outcome was always powerful. And so we knew that going into this project, but I would say definitely for, for me, I look at the biggest challenge of uh, our work. It wasn't really coming up with idea or angle. I think just the time period, um, honestly, I'm being directly in the middle of COVID-19. I mean, it's been an uphill battle from the start. I know like family members, personal friends have also, have always struggled with their, their health. And I think we looked at that from a little bit of a different outcome because we were both, as my parents being business owners, you know, they, they, there was a massive amount of income loss just from the beginning of, of COVID. And so me and Michelle both were able to see that kind of, that, that loss that everybody was experiencing. It. And we couldn't imagine what it was like for someone who wasn't as blessed as us, wasn't as well off, didn't get the opportunity to attend a private school. So we were sitting there and we were like, well, we see the economic struggle and, and, and not knowing like where the next bill will get paid from. We desperately look for a way to help, a way to help. So I think that really gave us the positive motivation to, to really impact our community. I think it wasn't um, too much of a, like, we're coming from this blessed place and you aren't. It wasn't really that. It was more so we have the opportunity to apply for this grant that they are willing to give us this money if we have a proposal. And what Frank was referring to was like, because we're coming from like Sandy Spring and we both live in DC, we saw the disparities and how different communities were affected by COVID-19. And I think it was a really detrimental force in all communities like worldwide. It was just in DC, like for example, my neighborhood, you could see that people who sold on the street, like they weren't on the street anymore because they were just fearful of COVID or any frontline workers like construction workers or things like that. They were more prone to being sick. And it's just people that are already struggling to pay their bills and already struggling to make ends meet. We're dealing with COVID differently. These were both of our homes, Sandy Spring and DC. But when we came back to see, it was just really eye-opening because we're like, okay, at Sandy Spring, like I lived at Sandy Spring, I was a boarder. So it was just, I was looking at it differently. But when I came back home, I was like, oh, wow, the dire attention is needed here. And if we have the opportunity to do something, that feels like it's a, it's a calling. 
this time of COVID's really heightened that sense of inequity and, and really highlighted medical inequities, income inequities, racial disparities, right? And you all saw that and really were able to turn that into what can we do about it? And I love that you highlighted Eduardo, who's one of our longtime veteran faculty members, chair of our World Languages Department, and also began this passion project, right? Inspiring young people to ask that question and to answer it. What are we seeing and what can we do about it? I'm, I'm wondering now that y'all are becoming the next generation of leaders, right? What would you all say to young people who are seeing any number of issues in the world and are wondering, how can we do what you all did, take our passions and turn them into solutions? What would you say to young people who are, who are seeing so much and wondering, how can I do my part? I mean, such a, such a tough question. I think the way I would put it is for any young person looking to make a, a change and a tangible difference in their community, I would say, forget the feeling of that you're too young. Once I truly got involved with even volunteering at a very young age, the I'm too young question never, never came up. I mean, it was, it was truly, I wish I started earlier once I got there. So I would say the first thing is, is just forget over that hump of um, I'm too young to make a difference. That's an adult problem. That's going to need an adult solution. I would say like go out, make the difference, see what you can do first, learn about it, learn as much as possible and take it from there. But that, that's the first thing you got to do. You got to get over the I'm too young hump and believe in yourself. I would add that something that can really prepare you for this is to align yourself with your values and understand what your principles are. Because for me, the spices, the way that they just really grounded me and allowed me to, okay, these are my principles and this is what I stand for. Like when I enter this space, no matter what happens, I understand these are my priorities and I will leave with that. And even if it was hard, I'm going to remain authentic to that. That's been powerful for me because it's allowed me to realize that any small wins are appreciative as long as you stay aligned with those values. Like for example, just always valuing community. Like for me, that's, I think something that can really prepare you for something like this is to always have your community in mind when you enter spaces, who are you entering for? Why are you entering, why are you entering there? What is your impact? And even if you think, okay, I left and it was an uncomfortable space or I didn't leave with my intended goals, but you enter that space, how many people have, can say that they've done that? You made that step. And I really think just grounding yourself with whatever you value and appreciating every win is going to take you such a long way because I mentioned I entered Sandy Spring very timid and very quiet and when I would say like a wrong answer in class that would be enough to like shut me down but then I started publishing things in newspapers I started speaking in class and I realized okay mistakes will happen but as a part of the process yes you look back at it and think okay I could have changed this but I wouldn't have realized that if I hadn't taken that risk so take as many risks. Like for example, we found out about this call for kindness the week it was due. And we started sending emails. We were like, we have to do this and God willingly it happens. <laughs> but it's just taking those risks and believing in yourself, honestly, that it's going to take you a long way. Well, I'm just so thankful for this conversation. So glad to see y'all's faces. Looking very forward to seeing y'all's faces in person soon, we're going to hope. And, and as we wrap up, I'll ask y'all the question I love to ask alums, which is, tell me one of your favorite moments or favorite memories of Sandy Spring Friends or one of your favorite places to be. Like when you think of Sandy Spring Friends, what's something you're like, I will never forget this person, place, thing that happened? 
it's, it's hard. It's Sandy Spring four years living at Sandy Spring and coming in so different, leaving so different. I don't know where to begin, but I definitely think it has to be the pack. I think the pack is where the majority of my like memories were made. For example, I just assemblies and how we would have, well, it looks different now, the school's expanding, but when we'd have assemblies there and just have everyone together, have lower kids, upper and upper grades. And I think just anywhere where this community was together was really powerful for me. Like one distant memory I have in the pack is that's where I gave my first like public speech in a way. That's where I gave my TED talk on being Hispanic in DC versus being Hispanic at Sandy Spring, what that meant for me. And I was in 10th grade and that was the first time I had set foot on a stage and I remember immediately after having my friends come up to me like that was powerful Michelle like that was really good and I was like are you sure I was shaking I was nervous but just seeing that no matter how I felt people appreciate what I said and actually wanted to talk to me about it for me I was like I want to get up on that stage again like this has to happen again and I want to talk about being Latina at Sandy Spring and and then like in the pack also in the moment it feels different but now when I reflect on meeting for worship I miss it because having that moment of the day to just sit and reflect and have powerful dialogue or just do it alone like while you're at Sandy Springs sometimes you might think okay like why is this happening or can we do this at a different time but when you leave it's such a different feeling or like even when you get to your last few years at Sandy Spring you realize oh wow like this is unique to Sandy Spring why isn't my college class doing this like I, <laughs> I need a meeting for worship I need time to just sit here and digest what's happening so definitely Pack has to be one of my favorite spots just because of all the things that happened in there. I would definitely say something similar to that. I mean, just the way that the Saints Spring community truly embraces its students is pretty uh, amazing. I know from the like very first day, I feel like I was never out of the Sandy Spring community in a sense. Like I was never the odd one out or anything like that. And so even from the first day, I actually like felt I was running. Um, to class and, and slips in the mud and so I was walking around muddy all day and I still wasn't <laughs> I still wasn't out and that's pretty that's pretty remarkable but I would say that there was one moment in my pre-calculus class with I was at Kwame Darko and I actually we were you know going back and forth and me being strong that I couldn't understand this math problem for the life of me and the way that he just kept working with me no matter what scenario situation I came up with to get to explain why my answer was right and that his was wrong as me and the class like worked through it and, and we we're sitting there and, and he's embracing he's still embracing me even though I'm wrong he's still embracing me helping me helping me get to the right answer and so I think that's really powerful the way that Sandy Spring is able to kind of bring out the best in you and by the time you leave you're able to carry that on with you and so I think that would be the like I'm just happy that I got to experience that and that I know so many people, a whole community that is continuing to embrace me. So I'm forever grateful. Wow, I could totally see Michelle in the pack, giving that first speech and being nervous, but never being nervous again. <laughs> Such a dynamic speaker born that day. And then I can totally see you with Kwame, Kwame being our dean of boarding, an alum from our boarding program, phenomenal math teacher, and, and doing for you what somebody probably did for him. I mean, what a great full circle moment. I could talk to y'all all day, Jim, <laughs> but y'all are, are busy folks, and I know y'all have stuff to do to even get ready for sophomore year of college at this point, so congrats on 
on year two of that part of the journey. And thank you for spending time with us and with me, and most importantly, for following your passion and letting your lives speak in such a way that's inspiring all of us, especially the work you're doing on, and I love the name of it, Candid Community Care at a time when, oh my gosh, we need all three, (laughs) all three of those words. So thank you. It has been a pleasure as always. Cannot wait to welcome y'all back to your place um, when we're able. Thank you. Thank you so much. So Michelle, tell us if someone's interested in being a part of the National Call for Kindness, as you all were, how might they get to do that? Yeah, so the Call for Kindness Fellowship is a perfect opportunity for you to submit a proposal for any project focused on equity or social justice issues. It can be an existing project you're working on. It could be a new project that you're creating. And it's open to anyone that's 13 to 18 years old. And essentially the four things that they're really looking for is kindness, empathy, leadership, and connection making with your proposal. And really also passion. It has to read through your application that you've done your research. You've tried to figure out everything you can figure out. And Frank and I would be more than happy to also share what tips we learned along the way. It would be exciting to see someone else from Sandy Spring or several people from Sandy Spring <laughs> apply. Absolutely. Sounds like our eighth graders all the way to our seniors could take part in this. So we will take you up on the offer to have you mentor a few more folks into the process. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the New Stories Podcast. 